He's he's had a hit. He's had hits. I mean, he's got what over two billion streams at this point. Uh, four point two billion. Oh my yeah, god, it's a lot. It's <laughs> a lot of point two billion. Yeah, right. Because I was only looking at Spotify, but I guess if we go off all platforms and everything, yeah, it's a lot. Um, okay, he has over four billion streams right now, um, and no label. This episode is brought to you by Band Zoogle. From garage bands to Grammy winners, Bandzoogle powers the websites for tens of thousands of musicians around the world. I can tell you firsthand, Bandzoogle is awesome. I've been using them for years. I've built many, many websites on Bandzoogle. It's super simple. You don't need any coding knowledge, graphic design knowledge. I'm actually a really terrible graphic design artist i'd like to think i'm okay i'm decent i have photoshop and you know i've designed my fair share of show posters over the years i should not have i'm not a good graphic design artist i know my strengths and weaknesses anyway Banzoogle, you don't need any of that you can be a horrible graphic design artist like me you don't need any coding knowledge i know very 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 basic html that i learned about 15 years ago i can still design kick-ass websites on Banzoogle. They also have a bunch of other cool features like a way to create an EPK. You can host and create your custom domain name. There's tools to sell your music and merch. It's all commission-free. There's a mailing list. There's social media integrations. They have a crowdfunding feature, which is very new and very cool. They have a subscription service, kind of like Patreon. Also, all commission-free. If you want to try out Bandzoogle, you can go to bandzoogle.com. Use the code ARI, that's just A-R-I, my name, ARI, for 15% off the first year of any subscription. But you get a 30-day free trial to just give it a go. Try it out. Hello, hello. Welcome to the New Music Business Podcast. I am your host, Ari Herstand, author of How to Make It in the New Music Business, the book. This episode comes to you live from Brooklyn, New York, on one of my recent trips there. I went visited the foundation management offices, that's uh, Lau's management company, and sat down with Emma McDonald. She is Lau's label manager. Now, Lauv is an independent artist. He actually is not signed to a label at all. And I profile him in uh, the second edition of How to Make It in the New Music Business because he is one of those incredibly successful artists that have reached stratospheric heights without a label. Now, how am I sitting down with his label manager when he's not on a label? Good question. Emma is employed by Lauv directly. Lauv hired Emma to run his quote-unquote label, which is just a thing that he started. You and I can start labels, pick a distributor, and boom, we have a label. So that's basically what he did. So she is employed by Lauv and runs all of those operations and works the radio campaigns, marketing campaigns, all of that stuff. Now, Lauv was one of the most spun artists, actually, I think the most spun artist of 2019, and he has had the hit, we all know, I Like Me Better, in addition to all the other hits that he has had since, it's a top 40 hit. He has over 4 billion, that's billion with a B, 4 billion streams, again, without a label. So Em and I really get into the nuts and bolts of how all of that happened. How did he get a top 40 radio hit without a label, without a major label or any label? 
Uh, how did he get 4 billion streams? What does the release strategy actually look like? And how did they work the uh, rollout for his most recent album? And we talk about the waterfall uh, effect on adding new songs to the streaming platform. We're going to get into it. I don't want to give it all away. This is actually a really interesting interview. So let's take it away live from the offices in Brooklyn, New York. I'm a McDonald. So we're in Brooklyn. We're in Dumbo, more specifically, at your offices. Um, and these are, but this is actually the offices of foundation management. Correct. And you work out of that. You're not actually, are you technically part of foundation management? So I'm not. So I'm okay. an employee of, technically speaking, yes. A5B, which is the name of uh, of Lau's label. 85B. A5B. A5B. Yeah, it's A5B Inc. is basically the the, the LLC, and is if it you the, will. The, yeah. the letter A, the number five, and the letter B yeah so the to give a little bit of background is so Ari has written about this in songs but he had an apartment between um, Ari on, as in Lau's yes this is very confusing yes. no 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 we're gonna <laughs> I'm Ari but Lau's birth name is also Ari also so we want to clarify because some people don't know his his real birth name it's true yes but we're both Ari's which I appreciate good name it's yes. a great strong name and I love that you know for people that don't know um, Ari means lion in Hebrew and uh, Lauv means lion in Latvian Latvian yeah and and Lauv Ari is also um, a Leo. He I read, is. which it's is a lot, <laughs> there's a lot of lions everywhere. Yeah, and there's a lion on the back of my coat right it's now. True, it's all so the this is yeah, very lioness today. All right, continue. Yes. Sorry. So, so yeah, so his so he A5B. lived on uh, on 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 fifth between A and B. Oh, and so that is a throwback to that. When he was at NYU. Yes. Okay. Or, yeah. So it was basically that was what the um the initial like label name is. So I am not an employee of Foundations. Mm-hmm. Um, I work obviously extensively with his amazing manager team yes. um, the way of, of kind of my function within this puzzle piece of an organization mm-hmm. it kind of makes the most sense to have me be in-house and dealing with management as sure. directly as possible and so that's kind of how I came to be working out of their offices as love a, that yeah. um, okay so we need to clarify uh, for everyone because and for me um, so Lauv is technically independent. Correct. He's not on a label per se, other than his own A5B label. Correct. He's not on a major. He's not a major distribution. He uses AWOL for distribution. Yes. Um, is he still with the publishing deal that he signed before? His, when yeah. He was just so he a still has. He has a publishing deal, and that's kind of like that. I'm not. It's across that in terms right. of that's you know admin through Cobalt, and that deal is still in place. But in okay. terms of the um, you know it's, it's a prescription songs and and prescription, and, and, that's right. and Cobalt admin um, for gotcha. his publishing. Mm-hmm. The way that I kind of function is he's a fully independent artist. Um, yes. And that is something that, uh, you know, we as a team are incredibly proud of that he as an artist is Mm -hmm. of the utmost importance to him. Um, But at the end of the day, regardless of being an artist, he is releasing songs and he is owning the, you know, the masters and he is Uh owning the, all of the adjunct material that comes from it, music videos, photo shoots, all of that. Right. And so to provide the infrastructure of a label, in addition to the label services that we have through AWOL, Mm -hmm. um, is kind of how I fit in, in a lot of ways. Cool. Okay. So that makes sense. Um, now, I mean, you know, Lauv I've used as kind of an interesting case study for a little while because he's one of the most successful independent artist without a label. He is cracked. He's charted on all the charts. He's had a hit. He's had hits. I mean, he's got what over two billion streams at this point. Uh, four point two billion. Oh my yeah, god, it's a lot. It's <laughs> four point two billion. Yeah, right. Because I was only looking at Spotify, but I guess if we go off all platforms and everything, yeah, it's a lot. Um, okay, he has over four billion streams right now. Um, 
and no label. And Correct. that's what's so crazy, I think, to a lot of people these days. And so, but you are the label manager Correct. Yeah. for his own label. So what is your role? What does that even mean? What do you do? Now you've been working with him for two years now? Yeah, almost okay. a little bit. Almost. So yeah, what, what is your role? What, yeah. So the thing that I love about my role is, you know, when you think about kind of like new bu music business, yeah. and I think there's a lot of people who see themselves as disruptors and how mm -hmm. they, you know, can sort of change the, the mold of what the, the traditional hierarchy of things is. Mm -hmm. My role ex exists and still exists within the music industry. You know, label managers exist at major labels. They exist at independent labels. They exist. It, I am not a new person in that sense. Sure. However, how I function and mm -hmm. the specifics of my role of being a label manager full of, for a fully independent artist, that is relatively very new. And yes. I mean, I can only think of less than a handful of people who do exactly what I do, which is being like essentially an in-house label manager providing the typical infrastructure of a label with, you know, a, a distributor and label services partner mm -hmm. and, you know, management, uh, that is rare and that is new. And that mm. is really exciting to me yeah. um, to work with the artist in that way and to kind of help them, um, you know, see their creative vision and provide a little bit of organization that, you know, a lot of people see in the benefits of being on a major label or an sure. indie label is having someone like me to kind of work on the marketing budgets and making sure assets are being delivered in time and all of the different myriad of things that a traditional label manager would provide. Mm -hmm. I'm essentially doing that just for a fully independent artist. So let's, so what do label managers do, whether it's your role or at a major an indie, what is the role for people who don't know? What is totally. the role of a yeah. label manager? So if you're talking more at like a major label, sure. you know, they're across a lot of things. A lot of it is marketing budgets. Mm -hmm. A lot of it is, you know, assets. So, music videos, okay. making sure, because I think for a lot of time, when you think about signing to a major label, mm -hmm. um, I think for most of the world who isn't in the industry, you think of the artists themselves as being, you know, that is the asset to the label, to the major mm -hmm. label. In reality, yes, that is true. Artists are, they're the reason that art exists in the first place. Sure. However, the value proposition for major labels is in the intellectual property that those artists create, right? The sound recordings. Sound recordings. Music videos. Music videos, sure. photo shoots, images, all yes. of the auxiliary content that comes from having signed an artist to that label. Sure. They own that. That is their intellectual property and they have- The label owns The that. label owns that. Right. That's not owned by the artist. Right. And so it's in their best interest to be able to you know, monetize and you know exploit and promote. Exploit. exploit that is the name. I love that. That's possible. the term that the, that <laughs> the labels use because it, it is exploited. Because that's what it is exactly. <laughs> and so that right. a label manage, manager is really in charge of making sure that um, you know everything from master delivery of the songs, mm -hmm. you know, um, to you know music videos, general marketing budgets, promotions, all of those kinds of things. They have not necessarily oversight on everything, but sure. it's it's a general awareness of all of these assets and intellectual property that's being created gotcha. for the label's benefit. You need someone kind of quarterbacking it, if you mm. will. And a lot of the creative decisions and a lot of the um, you know, general plans, that's still driven by management and, you know, the a &R, major label and A&R and, sure. and all of that. Uh -huh. um, but it's just kind of that, that is the, the role in, in a typical, you know, major label way. Got it. So the way that it works for me and, um, you know, I kind of do all of that. Yeah. But instead of it being a major label where I have to report to 10 different people sure. about 
what the marketing budget is going to be mm-hmm. or what a spend is going to be on a music video mm-hmm. or what our radio single is going to be, you know, all of those kind of people that would necessarily have input in what the, you know, the driving uh, course of an artist's career is and those creative decisions. Mm-hmm. The, the person that I'm the most responsible to is Ari, is Lauf. Yeah. Because he is the one who has the most who's making these creative decisions with in, you know, in conjunction with his management team who are amazing. And, um, you know, in in conjunction with AWOL, our label services team, who can kind of provide a lot of that infrastructure and and promotion support. Um, but at the end of the day, if we don't want to release a song Mm -hmm. or if we do want to release a song Mm -hmm. or if the, the, the length of time we go between releasing songs or any of that typical rollout strategy that is in the hands of a label that is fully in the hands of the artist in this case. Oh, wow. So when you're, you say you kind of, uh, a lot of these decisions come to Ari and the management team. So who are you talking to on a daily basis? Are you on the phone with Ari on a daily basis? Or are you on the phone with management or what is that? I mean, I would like? probably Email, say in terms Slack, of, yeah. whatever you're doing. So in terms of like the breakdown of my communication, I yeah. would say, you know, 80% of my emails are management is on some form, you know, right. dealing with, I would say 50 to 70% are also, um, AWOL, our label services partner distribution, and for yep. distribution. And then I would say, you know, in terms of direct communication with Ari, that's probably a solid, you know, 30% of direct, like, Hey, this is what we're thinking of things. And, you know, mm. we kind of run a lot of so stuff. He's by him. really involved, he's super involved. In, in a lot of these, uh, in the direction and just kind of what's happening. Yeah. Cause I mean, the reason that he wanted to stay fully independent yeah. was because there's, you know, so much more creative control that you can have when you are an independent artist. Mm. That's, that was the biggest selling point for him always and still is, is this freedom that you have and why I think a lot of artists, you know, I'll be honest, I don't think people ask me a lot of times like, oh my gosh, you guys have seen so much success. Do you guys think, you know, major labels are right. like, they're, this is the end <laughs> of the era. Right. And I'm like, no, I think major sure. labels are still going to be around. You know, right. they, they have so much there's money, there's, there's clout, there's connections, there's there. It is definitely something where this is not going to be the end of major labels as we know it, just because, you know, some artists have seen success being fully independent. What I do think is you are going to see more artists that in the past, their only option to see kind of mainstream success or their only option to reach the goals that they wanted Mm -hmm. to reach were through being signed to a major label are now seeing that that doesn't necessarily have to be the case Mm. that they can have really high lofty goals of exposure and having their music reach a mass audience and have it resonate with people and, and connect Mm. and they can you know, be fully independent and have full creative control over their art. Mm. Um, and that's the thing that's most exciting to me is that mm. not that, you know, major labels are going to crumble. I think I know a lot of people at major labels. They yeah. are amazing. They are smart people sure. and they're doing really great things. I think it's just, it's another pathway. It's kind mm. of like a, a bridge in the road where before it didn't exist. And now you have a number of really, um, you know, forward thinking artists who are chopping away a path and mm-hmm. making it something so that you know, artists down the line can say, Hey, I saw someone else do this and see success. Maybe I can too. I love that. That's fantastic. I mean, that is something it's where we are starting to see that with artists in every genre across the board. It's not just chance the rapper. Totally. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) You know, and it's like, where you're just like, well, it's just chance. It's like, it's really not just chance. Wolfpack just sold out Madison square garden. Exactly. They don't even have a manager, let alone (laughs) a label. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, but, but so we are starting to see that and that's fantastic. And that's really cool. So, uh, just for clarity to break this down. Um, so, 
AWOL you keep referring to as label services. That's really distribution. Yes, yeah. Um, what do you mean by label services? Well, I think in a lot of ways, you know, to give them full credit where credit's due, there sure. are um, the team that we have at AWOL yeah. are incredible. Okay. Period and stop. Like to to not have them be part of this discussion is yeah. you know is unfair. The okay. management team team you know for of you know Steve Bursky and Max Gretinger um, and you know our marketing team that we have at, at Foundations of Lauren McKinney. Like the, these, I go to work with people who challenge me and come with amazing genius ideas every yeah, day. Cool. Um, and the same thing kind of has to go to AWOL. You know they're they're an amazing partner in a mm-hmm. lot of ways. Um, they are on a very base level. Yes, they are distributing our music. Yep. If you look at the infrastructure that we have put in place globally in terms of promo teams, in terms of publicists, in terms of radio teams, this is a global operation. This is not something that is just US based or, you know, just running on social media hype alone. This is something where we have have essentially handpicked a team that is running as if it's a it, that's running up as a proper label right and and for clarity AWOL doesn't own anything they don't so they just take a, a commission yeah right? which is of, the standard you know distribution revenue. deal so they take a, right. a, a commission of the revenue correct. sure um and you know the standard I don't know what your deal is and you don't have to reveal it yeah. but I know the standard AWOL uh commission is 15 percent is for most artists when you come in the front door that's what they typically take mm-hmm. just for listeners out there who are wondering what that is which is just very interesting because most major labels take 85 percent yes so they've completely flipped it yes and where now the artist is keeping 85 percent AWOL is keeping 15 percent whereas most major labels keep 85% and give the artist 15% after recoupment. Exactly. Um, And so, but now with label services, I want to dig into that a little bit more because I actually spoke to um, people at AWOL before the second edition of my book to get more of the story because, you know, the headline is, is loud. I like me better, like pop radio through AWOL. And I'm like, okay, that doesn't just magically happen. I know like, somebody was pushing it at radio who was that somebody and they told me that at the time they had teamed up with i believe it was in tune correct yeah which awol has now since acquired and so they own this radio promotions company so are you working with the Intune radio promotions company as well at AWOL? Yeah. So basically okay. the way that it works is, you know, when I, when I first was brought on, they hadn't been bought yet. Intune hadn't been brought yet. Right. Um, so we, you know, Intune was in the same way that, same way that an artist would hire a publicist, mm-hmm. um, you know, in a certain territory, we do that. And we have that with our radio teams too. So, uh, it's different. So if you think you're an artist, like for example, you know, if you're Taylor Swift or if you're Mm -hmm. Ariana Grande and you're on Republic, you know, there's the Republic radio team that is in-house. That is, they, that is the the team that is going to work your singles Mm -hmm. for us because, you know, we're essentially building this team ourselves. We get to choose who we get to work with. Mm. And, you know, we get to partner with a lot of amazing, you know, freelance driven people who hustle, people who know how to grind this out. And because it isn't in-house, you know, it is, it is, it is saying, Hey, we have this single and we have this artist and we want to have the best team behind it possible, mm-hmm. you know, pushing it at radio, pushing it, you know, on for, for PR and pushing it for just promo around the world. Right. And we get to choose those people. Yeah. It isn't something where it's just, you know, part of the, the, the whole deal that you get when you sign. So I know that radio campaigns, independent radio campaigns or whatever can range from a hundred thousand, 300,000, maybe more, maybe sometimes a little bit less. They're pricey. And so how, um, you know, it's how, how does, um, how does anybody make the decision that, that 
we should, you should pursue radio at that level. For me, the I Like Me Better radio story is actually a really good testament of how Lauv's story would not exist on a major label, but exists because he's independent. Tell that story. What, why? So in the sense that, so I like, I like Me Better was released in May of 2017. Okay. It was service to radio for Top 40 Radio after seeing success. You know, streaming was really catching on. Um, I think it was July 4th weekend of 2017. It didn't peak until August of 2018. Whoa. So if you look at, that's a year. That's over a year. Over a year. You know, so it's 14 months that song was essentially worked at, at Top 40 Radio. Whoa. And most artists, if they're signed to a label and they, you know, their team says, we're going to push this at radio. Yeah. They maybe get two to three months of promotion. Sure. Before, if it's not seeing success the radio single gets dropped and they're just not going to continue to promote it because they have so many songs. They have such a huge bandwidth of, of artists and, and singles that they're you know trying to push that if something doesn't catch right away, mm-hmm. they're just going to sort of say, hey, you right. know, we tried. Right. And for us and for, for Lauv, the research was there. The Shazams were there. The, yeah. you know, the, the fan engagement was there. And we really believed in it as a song. The team really believed in it and Ari obviously believed in it. Yep. And that enabled us to say, no, we're sticking this out. We're gonna we're gonna continue to push it as it's you know it was incremental at first as getting you know more spins. It wasn't like top you know it wasn't like the first time it was serviced. It had right. top forty most ads. You know sure. it was it was a slow like real work and hustle. And it got to the point where you know a year later, that's when you find yourself peaking at you know t- number seven on hot on top forty radio. Wow. So it came out, you said May of 2017? Correct. And, and was that an official release or was that like a SoundCloud? No, release? that was a, yeah. That was I like mean, a, so official... Ari, yeah. So Ari for, for Lauv, like his first release that he had mm-hmm. was the other and that was a SoundCloud was release. A SoundCloud and that right. was like, you know, he saw um, a huge amount of buzz from that, but yeah. that he had no expectations. He, he, you know, it just sort of took off on its own. Sure. Um, but for, for I Like Me Better, yeah, that was, you know, official release on all streaming services and, and to sort of see how it kind of responded. And, and, and people were responding on streaming services and that's why you decided to go to try to try it at radio. Yeah. So I wasn't part of, I wasn't working when the, those initial conversations sure. were having. So I can't say, okay. you know, with a hundred percent, like what the order of operations of that sure. conversation, but you know, after seeing how it was performing on streaming services yeah. and just also the song mm-hmm. feel, felt inherently catchy and yeah. inherently like this could work at top 40. It was different, you know, but for an independent artist um, to sort of take that risk and say, Mm -hmm. Hey, we're going to, we're going to give this a go. Mm -hmm. um, Cause I believe in this and the team believes in it. um, That was something that we had also seen success um, globally outside of the U S before it was serviced to radio. So Mm. in Germany, I like me better was a top 10 hit. And before you even tried to push it at radio, uh, I think it was like, it was, it was doing incredibly well. I don't think it had peaked at the time we started servicing, but it was one of those things where globally we had territories really responding to the song and to Lauv. And it felt like, Hey, this is, this, this might not just be isolated to Germany or the Philippines or these territories where we were seeing really high engagement. It was okay, let's, let's, let's try this for real in the U S cause that's, yeah. you know, it's an incredibly difficult market to right. crack, um, on radio and otherwise. And so we had kind of a, a proof of concept, I think, if you mm-hmm. will, in, in there, in, in a lot of the eyes of, you know, the team and it, you know, it took a long time obviously, but yeah. it obviously worked out. So, but I do want to break the, cause you said we were seeing the Shazams, we were seeing the stream counts. So 
because people are going to be listening to this and like, well, my, you know, uh, aunt is a multimillionaire and she's willing to give me all this money. I want to hire a radio promotions company for the first song that I release because I believe in it. Yeah. That's probably not the best use of the money. I would not advise on that. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so why wouldn't you advise on that? I mean, I think a lot of it also has to do with, you know, the artist's story, the music being there. Like just because you have unlimited money, I mean, right. there's that labels have unlimited money in right. a lot of ways. Right. And some songs just don't go, you know, you can't force a song uh-huh. at Top 40 Radio. You can't force a song to have streaming numbers So it's, in some it's ways. important to note that that you were saying, you keep saying like people were responding to it, but really we're talking millions of streams that this song had before you went to Correct. radio, yeah. right? There's millions. millions, yes. So, and, and I think, I mean, what would you estimate in terms of like how, I mean, I'd have to look back yeah, on the data fine. and let you but know. But there were yeah. millions of streams. Yeah. So it's like, it's like you know, uh, radio is always, these days, pop radio is last to the party. They're not really breaking artists anymore. Yeah. They Sure, the artist's story is interesting and that's that can be helpful and whatever. Yeah. Uh, but really, it's like, what is the story behind the numbers? Behind Like, how are people responding? Like, are people going to sit through commercials on our radio station if we play this song or are they going to flip Switch the, the channel? channel? Exactly. So, right. So it's like you need to tell the, the station manager, the program director, whomever, like we have a hundred million streams on this song. Like, oh, okay. Now I'll pay attention. Yeah, exactly. Not like, hey, I really love this song. You'll love it too. Yeah. You know, and here's an envelope of cash like yeah. it used to work back no, in yeah, the day. Yeah, that, <laughs> like if this was the 80s, yeah, right. it would be a, a totally different conversation. Yeah. Sure. So that, so I, I want people like just to, understand that because I have a I've had people come to me and they're like I'm you know I'm getting an investment for three hundred thousand dollars I want to go to radio and I'm like you're going to throw your money away you might as well light that cash on fire literally light it on fire right it's a huge light on fire right right so it's like the only reason that really the team decided to push this song at radio is because people were responding in a very real way and I think it was hitting like today's top hits on Spotify long before it actually hit the the terrestrial radio charts all of that stuff yeah yeah. so like that's really important to know but I do want to get back to like that is absolutely astounding that the team stuck with it for over a year at pushing it at radio when most radio promotions teams would have given up they would have given up nine months earlier you know like and 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 then you would never know the success story and and also the ubiquity of that song because it was worked for such a long period of time you know it felt like it was everywhere you know like it was like you were you know it was like it was just sort of one of those songs that that summer when it peaked you know there was a number of things that kind of happened and yes radio is a huge part of that story also, you know, there was the launch of uh, To All the Boys I Loved Before, and we were in the trailer mm-hmm. for that and in the movie for that. And so, and then he was playing the VMAs. Like, there was a confluence of a lot of different things that led to, you know, the peak that we had when yeah. we did. Um, so, yes, radio is a huge part of it, but there was also a huge, massive marketing mm. plan yeah. that was is, was implemented, you know? So, so that's really important, too. So, um, you know nothing really existed in a vacuum as in like this is our one strategy and if we don't reach it everything is a failure exactly (laughs) it's not like radio or bus right you had all you had sync licensing happening you had uh like streaming obviously was going um so there was a lot happening so like radio was a nice 
bonus. Yeah, right. It was great. And, and it and it you know could help everything else. But that's another thing because we're we're in this era right now, especially with indie artists, where people are so obsessed with playlists and streaming. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, unfortunately, so many artists right now, independent artists, when they release music, if they don't get playlisted, they deem that song a failure. But I, you know, I, I can parallel that with what happened with you at radio, with Lava Radio, as in like, it wasn't immediately successful out of the gates with radio. And with artists thinking like, it's not immediately successful on streaming services right out of the gates, it doesn't mean it's going to be a failure. Exactly. But to stick with it, you can take inspiration from the story of the team was working it. Now, they had a lot of money. I'm guarantee it didn't cost us $150,000 if they were working in a radio for over a year. I mean, in terms of like the whole marketing of that song yeah. is, you know, is radio is just one component of it. Sure. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, and for, for songs that I've been on like the full life cycle of, yeah. even for a song like I'm so tired, which we also worked at top 40 radio and that yeah. was, you know, it was a, that was a top 20 hit for us at top 40 radio. Um, you know, those, those plans that like we build out are fully rooted in one believing in a song, right? So it's like, we're not going to push a song that we don't believe in. We're not going to promote a song. You know, if Ari is sort of sitting back and sort of saying, Hey, I, I fully believe in this song. This mm-hmm. is the song that is the most important to me. Our, our whole team gets behind that. And we mm-hmm. really support awesome. him in, in those decisions. Yeah. Um, and so for us, it's, it's just sort of a, it's a question of whether or not, you know, what does the artist want to do? Mm-hmm. Because I think for the longest time in this, in the music industry, the artist created the art, but then it was left to a whole bunch of other gatekeepers. What happened to the right. music after it? Yes. And I think the great thing about the model that, that I am a part of in this sort of the, the new, this new different model, it's yes. not necessarily, you know, the best one or, you know, sure. whatever, but it's just a different, different. one. Mm-hmm. Um, is that the power fully rests in the artist hands. Hmm. So yes, you are still doing all of the work that you typically would at a label of putting together a thorough and comprehensive marketing plan and doing digital ad spends and Mm -hmm. doing, you know, all of the things that are part of that you would see at a major label, but you can do it in a way that feels true and honest to the artist. You know, you can do it in ways that don't feel gross and weird. So it's not cookie cutter. It's not not cookie cutter. It's literally, and we're able to be very nimble. Mm. And that's the thing that I love about this job the most is that say, for example, we see something responding really well in a territory, or Mm -hmm. we notice that something is, you know, a trend is kicking off somewhere here, or people love the interaction between, you know, Lauv and Troy in this market. Like Mm. how, how can we capitalize on that? How can we best promote it? Um, and doing it in a way where you have the artist full buy-in because we're not going to do something unless he feels like this is in the service of the art of the song. Um, and in service of, you know, him as a, as a musician and him as an artist. So that's what I really love is Mm -hmm. there's a certain nimbleness that we have that I, I just don't, I mean, I have to be honest, I haven't worked at a major label to, to be able to compare and say, Oh, there are plenty of people I know who, you know, work incredibly quickly and, and, and nimbly and have to change things. But I think the, the model that we have, um, because we're only really, I don't want to say behold it, but, but only because we, we really are looking to the artist for, 
the approval on things as opposed to a CMO or mm. an A&R exec or a mm. president who's looking at, you know, the P&Ls and saying, oh, we need a radio hit now. Mm. This is very much artist driven. This yes. is very much creative driven. It isn't driven by trends or what's popping off right now. <laughs> like It's very much driven by what are the priorities of the artist? Yeah. What song means the most to him mm. um, or them? You know, it's just yeah. that kind of that kind of mentality. I think is really important to have. And I'm honored to work with a team that, you know, really truly believes in that. Amazing. I love that. Um, so let's talk release strategy and how it it's working right now. I'm curious, uh, specifically just kind of on, on some of your release strategies, um, with, with loud, but then also just in general, um, you know, what you recommend in terms of, I always get asked this like singles or albums or like, you know, what even is an album these days? <laughs> yeah. And like, Lauv released a playlist. What does that even mean? You exactly. know, as, totally. as like an album. Yeah. So um, in terms of like release strategy, what are you guys doing right now in terms of how you release music? Um, and is there a formula is there a strategy? I mean, of course there's a strategy, yeah. but like, what is that strategy? Yeah. So, th and this is, again, this is, um, a prime example of how being, you know, being a, a label manager for an independent artist is totally different than being a label manager at a, at a major. Yeah. So the release strategy that we have is pretty untraditional, honestly. Okay. Um, you know, we, formulated the current release rollout for his debut album that's dropping March 6th, How I'm Feeling. Uh, I remember I, I sat down with Ari and kind of went over what his goals are and what we kind of th thought would achieve those goals over a year. Yeah, it was February of, of 2019. Um, and one of the reasons why we kind of did this untraditional rollout, so to kind of give a, a quick breakdown, we're releasing the album and has 21 songs on it. So right off the bat, a longer album than you're yeah. typically used to. Yeah. 10 of those songs have already uh, have been released in the period between technically between January of 2019 and March of 2016 because we have I'm so tired which was the uh -huh. technically the first release off. Uh. We really kind of <laughs> yeah so it was there it's a, it's like a long rollout if you will. Wait, so this album isn't out yet technically I looked Techni on Spotify and there's a, it looks like the album's tens, there. Yeah, it looks like it's there. So yeah, <laughs> we have 11 more songs coming. Whoa. Yeah. So okay, this is this is really interesting. So um, you're you're just adding songs to this this uh, what do you even call it? Yeah. So right <laughs> now, I mean, this sounds album. Uh, yeah. So basically, what we're what, when you look at it on Spotify, for example, which yeah. I think is probably how yeah. you're viewing it in terms of it looks like a full album. Right. That's what it's like a waterfall product. So basically, uh -huh. it has all of the the singles to date, so that you can enjoy. So it's not just like ten single products. Yes. It's allowing us to be like, here's the newest single, and you can also engage with the songs that have thus been released. Let's so explain far. waterfall. Yeah, to I know. People, because I've been hearing the term waterfall now for the last couple years. What does that mean? So waterfall essentially is. Instead of having standalone singles, uh -huh. you the way that you bundle it when you release it is that you put your top single, like the newest one, uh -huh. at the top, and then you. I mean, you can do it in any subsequent order. You can change it around, but typically it's you know the single before that, or you know the priority single, whatever it kind sure. of may be, and it's all bundled in one EP product. Okay. So when you look at it it does look like a kind of constantly evolving EP or it uh, looks like a, you know, a longer album. Yeah. Um, but it is not the final product. Yeah. So, so if you were to look on Spotify a week ago, actually it would look different than it looks today because mm. we released a song yesterday. 
Wow, welcome to the streaming era. It's, yeah, <laughs> it, well, it, it, it's all, I think for us, the reason that, and that's just on Spotify, you know, that's sure. not something that you can do. What does it look like on Apple Music? Apple Music, it's like the the playlist product in the order that the um, the songs are in, in the in the playlist. Like in, playlist? in the album, in the album. So it's oh. like, so obviously, for example, Modern Loneliness is track 21 out of 21. If you were to look at it now, it would be, it should be like the, the 10th song on that like order of things because okay. it's like in it's in the order as the do album you, on is. apple music i don't have it but do you see all 21 tracks just some of them are grayed out right now so if you or? looked at itunes it would be grayed out because it's a pre-order it's a pre-order yeah. right okay it's essentially something where it just allows fans to re-engage with the old songs as opposed to just hearing a single in isolation and not being able to listen to the the songs that are part of the project right okay so mechanically mm-hmm. and this might be a question for awol i don't know if you know how this works um like you know, when you distribute a single, uh, the of course, if you want that single to appear on the album, when you distribute the album later, you just have to use the same ISRC code. Mm-hmm. Um, how does it work with this waterfall? So it's not like you have one album with two songs, another album with three songs, another album with four songs. So you re-deliver the album product every time. So basically, and then you take you, it like, down. You take it down. But it's the same ISRC, so the streams oh. are all combined. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's tricky. The op side of things. Uh-huh. Yes. It's wild. Okay. See, this is what artists need to know because we don't have label managers. That's We're going through DistroKid or whatever <laughs> and like, you know, going through this and just like, so how do I, and I get asked this all the time, like, how do I do it? I'm like, I'm not exactly sure. That's why. Okay, here. thank you. This is good. So you you re-deliver the album. So for and then a brief you take period, it down. yeah. So for a brief period of time. So for example, I think it should probably get taken down today at some point. So there would actually be two album products up. It's hidden, so you can't really tell. Ah. But like you look at how I'm feeling, and it should show for a very brief window of time while we make sure that the album was del- or like the you know the new single was delivered properly. Yeah there would be a second version where it doesn't have that new single on it. And then once we feel like globally all the territories have it and everything looks Mm -hmm. good, we take down the version that had, you know, that doesn't have that new single on Uh it. So there's just one album product. All right. We have cracked the code. code. Thank you. That is so (laughs) fantastic. Right. All right. Cool. Real quick. I want to let you know about two lost Two lost is a new distribution company to the space. And let me tell you, I am very impressed with them. I, I got a full deep dive demo with the founder and yeah, they're very innovative. And when you come into the distribution space at this stage with how crowded it is, you better be innovative. And they are. Yes, they will get your music out to Spotify, Apple Music, all the places, plus 450 other outlets around the world. They do not take a commission. This is why 300,000 artists and labels have already used them. They've already distributed 7 million songs. They offer payment splitting, and they don't charge your collaborators for this service, for the payment splitting. They will just pay your collaborators directly for free. They have publishing administration with BMG, so you know it's legit. A lot of distributors have have fallen into trouble with using some other uh, less than legit pub admin services. Well, two losses partnered with BMG. You know it's legit. They offer instant royalty advances. Uh, This is something that's very cool. And if you have historical streaming data and you need just a bulk payment up front, they can see how much your music has earned in the past. I'm like, all right, we think we know what you're going to earn in the next three years. Here's a check for 100 grand or whatever it will be. And you can just click a button and get that distributed and um, into your account immediately. 
They do lyrics and credits distribution for free. They have a very innovative analytics platform where, yes, you will see real-time analytics for Spotify, Apple Music, but also Pandora, Deezer, SoundCloud, and Peloton. They're the only ones that do Peloton. Uh, They also have a service where you can search the internet wherever your music is being used, and it will just show you a chart of Everywhere, every TikTok video, everywhere, every YouTube video, everywhere your music is possibly being used. I've never seen this before. That was very cool. They'll register you with SoundExchange, and they have a fraud prevention tool, and they're doing fraud prevention. So if you're worried about your music, you know, getting a bot attack or something like that and getting ripped down, which we've seen is a big issue, uh, they have fraud prevention tools that are better than most other distributors that I have seen. Check out Two Lost. You can just go to twolost.com. Use the promo code Ari's Take for three months free and try them out. Let them know what you think. So, all right, let's get back to um, strategy. So, you're doing this waterfall release. Yeah. Um, now, what kind of promotion goes along with each? single release and every time you add a song how does that how does work? it work yeah. well the thing that's really interesting is even just to like and i think a lot of people know this is when you think of an album release on a major or independent label mm-hmm. you know there's maybe one two max three singles that are released before the album comes right. out yes so just by de facto of having 10 songs that are ostensibly <laughs> singles right. you know right released before the album street date that is totally different. And that oh. would never fly at a label, at a no. major label. Like right. that, they would, if we came in and said, this is the strategy that we want to do, we would probably get laughed at. Because it's too expensive it's to expensive. promote it's every long. single song. Every single song. And like they want to maximize and put all their efforts around the album release or something like that. Totally. It's more okay. about like, you know, trying to put like, well, where's the focus, you know? Mm. And this whole strategy, you know, I didn't come up with it in the sense of this is going to maximize streams or anything like that. The reason that like Ari is an artist and, you know, his management team and Mm -hmm. us as, you know, me as his label manager and AWOL kind of felt like this was a, 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 a rollout strategy that made sense for him is he loves sharing music. Mm-hmm. period end of story mm. he would release like all of this he all, honestly he like will leak things on instagram and i'm like ari like come <laughs> on like please like right, i'm right, right. begging you uh, but like he can do that one because he owns his masters but two you know he he loves just sharing music with people yeah. and so i think the idea for him that's so you know the norm for most major label artists or anyone who's doing a traditional album rollout mm-hmm. is you record the album you know you mix you master it all of that you put together all of the marketing plans and promotions for it, and then you release it. And usually that's about a year period from mm. when the music is finished to when you know the album is out properly. Okay. And that felt to him, to me, to knowing him, what is so important to him as an artist mm-hmm. is being able to share with his fans. I mean, this is this sounds like a you know a, a throwback to the album title is called How I'm Feeling. He wanted yeah. to be able to show in as real time as possible with his fans where his head was at, mm. where what kind of music he was writing and, you know, not feel like he was just going to be sitting on these songs for a year, yeah. which is what would have happened if he was, you know, signed to a major label. Right. This was something that allowed him to share music with his fans, mm-hmm. you know, with consistency mm. and allow songs to have a moment and not get lost in a shuffle of here's the, you know, the album release. Um, yeah. And so that was kind of 
the strategy in a lot of ways was very artist driven. It mm. was driven by his desire that we fully respect and want to support to, to get as much music out there as possible um, while still, you know, putting together a full formal album product, you sure. know, and, and something that um, is really cohesive and strong. And so when did he finish recording these songs and when did you start releasing them? So, and did he finish all 21 before you started releasing the first one? No. So, I mean, okay. I'm So Tired was released in January of, of 2019. Okay. Um, so, you know, that was released about a year ago. Uh -huh. um, the majority, uh, I would say more than half of the album, he then just continued to write over the next, that next not 10 months. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'm So Tired was released when? January of 2019. And then, okay. And then he wrote more. Wrote and more. Then I mean, the last, more. the last songs that we kind of were really like finally, like the song changes that we released in January, like we were working on that like 10 days before release. Like huh. that was literally a song where, he, it, <laughs> and I, I love the guy to death, but we also mm -hmm. joke like sometimes he's like, what if we change this? And I'm like, I, what is the timeline for <laughs> right, like right, being right, able right. to do injustice to all the DSPs? Sure. Um, we have an amazing ops team at uh, for that, at AWOL. And yep. I I'm sure every time I call them, they have a little bit of a panic attack because right. I'm like, what if we swapped a master? Um, and they want to kill me. But right. uh, so yeah, so it is sort of one of those things where it was a very much evolving process. Yeah. And it gave him time to to write the songs that he wanted to write to hmm. um to kind of discover like aspects of music that he hadn't really wrote and written about before and i think for him that was really important you know the first kind of project that he put out was very much about one relationship mm. and mm -hmm. was very much you know he kind of jokes about it being like the hopeless romantic side of him yeah and this new chapter for him and of this music it delves into not just you know one relationship or relationships it talks about a whole different slew of things mm. um you know from you know, we just released a song called Modern Loneliness. And for us, that really is the heart and soul of this album. It mm. talks about, you know, being alone together, essentially, of, of the, the social media aspect of being a 20-something in the world mm. where you have all these connections, but you're really not connected, that mm. you never really know the people around you and you're mm -hmm. never really vulnerable with them in a way that allows you to connect in a meaningful way. Mm. And that song for him was a song that it took a lot of time for him to be able to write that. That's a song that I don't think he could have written, you know, and had on I Met You When I Was 18. This is a song mm. that is, 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 was born out of a discovery for himself of him being honest about, you know, the trials that he feels as a millennial in America and mm -hmm. in the world. And, um, there's just, a, there's more heft to these songs because he's talking about other things. Um, and that's really important to him is yeah. to feel like the subject matter is true to him. You know, he has a song on the album about his dog too. You know, it's not all super heavy. Sure. There's, there's a lightness to things. There's a joy to things. Um, and they all sit kind of, uh, in this album that, you know, I'm incredibly proud to be a label manager for. And most importantly, yeah. he's incredibly proud to release. Yeah. And so, and um, when is it going to be officially, officially so Release. March 6th is the release date. And that's all 21 songs all out. All 21 but songs. But that's what's so interesting. You started this over a year ago. What? Like, that's mind-blowing because this has, like, never happened. This is a totally new release strategy um, where you you spent – it's basically a, almost a year and a half yeah. of, re of releasing it. And, and the album campaign, more or less, starts a year and a half before the album comes out. Yeah. And then once the album's out, do you have more of a quote-unquote campaign yeah, that's so the, happening? Yeah, so the way that we kind of 
released it. So I'm So Tired was released as a single. So we yes. weren't actually, actually sure if that was going to be something that was on How I'm Feeling or not. It was okay. very much like, this was a song that Ari loved. We all loved. It's Got an it. amazing song. And we wanted to get that out while yep. he was working on the, the rest of the album. Um, I think for the remaining songs and kind of how we see this, the how we sort of staggered the release, yeah. we didn't announce the pre-order until October. October 3rd is when we announced it. So that was when you know, the pre-order went up on iTunes and that's when, you know, the album artwork is announced and uh, the album concept, all of those kind of things were okay. released then. So there that's was a window of time where, yes, there were singles that were released that were part of the album. They weren't being waterfalled at that but point. But they weren't being waterfalled at that point. Got so it. we had, for example, a song called Drugs in the Internet, um, mm-hmm. Sad Forever, um, you know, I'm So Tired. Those were all standalone singles yep. that were existing before the, and then they got bundled into the kind of uh-huh. album product. So then October... When when you announce the pre-order and you have the album artwork at that time, then you package them together exactly. at the beginning of this album project. You started the waterfall process. Exactly. So it's really like, you know, five months essentially from sure. a consumer perspective of it being a album rollout. Right. But from our perspective, you know, we had been releasing songs that are mm-hmm. part of this album for over a year. So it does sort of feel like you've built up momentum in a lot of way or ways around certain songs and yep. certain kind of, you know, allowing certain songs to have their own moment and to have that message shine, shine through. So, so in terms of, let's get back to assets. Yes. Um, so you, you mentioned in October, that's when you rolled out the album cover. Mm-hmm. So, um, what are all the assets that you like to have for a full on release campaign and, uh, yeah, let's just break it down. Totally. So obviously album cover album, is album artwork. One. Yep, album that's, artwork. that's the first one. Okay. Um, you know, so, so a lot of what I do and what I kind of, um, you know, the lane that I fit in this like puzzle of the, the team mm-hmm. is anything where there's, you know, a music video shoot or a photo shoot or anything where, you know, this is typically money that a major label would spend, right. but is now, you know, that's, it's Ari's money to spend. You know, yep. he doesn't have a label providing him money in that way. Yeah. So I am very conscious and check in with him and business management constantly about, you know, what but what budgets are. So mm-hmm. there's the marketing budget. We also have asset budgets. So hmm. I am across and run the asset budget for what we're going to spend for certain music videos, what we're going to spend for creative direction, what we're going to spend for, you know, all of this different type of content ah. that is used to promote the album. Okay. Um, and then there's a separate recording budget. Yeah. So... Uh. Because again, that's a that's a budget that would typically be paid for f- by a major right. label, but that is something that I have to be overseeing as well with management. It's interesting you break you separate asset budget from marketing budget, and yes. I, I want to get into marketing in a second. But let, we'll stick on on assets. But uh, a lot of people would would combine them because them. it's all kind of part of marketing more or less. But I'm curious to, to hear what goes into actually the marketing in a second. But totally. for assets, so um, you have. For the album cover, I guess it's it's you do photo shoots, mm-hmm. graphic design artists. Totally. Um, I noticed that some of the singles that you're rolling out are the covers of those are from the same shoot. It's just like a little different kind of design. Like twist on them, yeah, 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 which is cool. Um, and um, do you do a music video or some kind of video for every song? So we have typically um, visualizers, which is like kind of the word we use, but it's essentially like one step above a static pack shot, but not a full music video. Okay. So in the past, like for example, on um, even the visualizer that we released for Modern Loneliness, um, 
it's a it's a simple kind of more one shot type concept. They're okay. usually a little bit lower budget. It's usually a little bit simpler. Uh -huh. um, maybe not as like narrative focused, but something just beautiful. Just because for art, it's really important to have something visually yes. that connects back to the art as opposed to just like throwing the album artwork up there. Okay. Um, and so we like to have something that you know, has either him or a, a, any other type of content that is engaging um, to use to promote the song. And, and where do you put that? So that goes on YouTube. Um, okay. We'll use it on Spotify canvases, you know, all sure. of that kind of stuff. There's, there's use for it. We'll use it in digital ads, you know, all of that okay. kind of content gotcha. um, is made and, and built out of that, those assets. Are you utilizing IGTV at all? Uh, we do a little bit like, so for example, one of the, the, the album creative, the general, like, you know, in a sentence or two brief mm -hmm. is, and if you look at the album artwork, you'll see it okay. kind of best summed up. It's, it's Blau Vari right in the middle. Yep. And then he has all these little different colored versions of him, um, on, on, as he's sitting in a position and mini versions, the little, yeah, like we call red. them the little Lavs. And the so little these Lavs, little right. Lavs are, are aspects of, of, of Ari's personality. Uh -huh. Um, and they all kind of coexist, but they're, you know, there's a bunch of different types. So there's the hopeless romantic and, uh. and the hopeless romantic actually has Ari's hair from the, you know, a few years ago when oh, it was cute. more the, I oh, met fun. you when I was 18 okay. stage. Yeah, yeah. There's, um, there's spicy boy. Who's like a little bit kind of the, the one who doesn't like following rules. Um, okay. there's, I don't know if I can swear on this, but yes, there's, you can. <laughs> uh, the, the fuck boy. Sure. Uh, so, yeah. you know, there's that, I think aspect of his personality. Uh -huh. Um, there's Mr. Positive. So the kind of really, mm. uh, you know, really excited, open hearted, uh, positive about everything type of thing. <laughs> there's like the existentialist who's like a little bit more kind of questioning everything and, you know, a little bit of a, um, a little depressed, but yeah, yeah, yeah that's sure, that kind sure. of side of things. Um, and so, and then there's the goof, the last one is green, which is like the class clown mm. aspect of his personality. And so all of these personalities, um, he kind of, the, one of the big aspects of when he was writing this album is he felt like everyone was saying that you have to have like a personal brand, whether you're an artist or you're me and you, you mm -hmm, know? Mm -hmm. And he was like, that's so lame. You know, mm. it's lame that you feel like pigeonholed in any way to be like, oh, is this on brand for me? Yeah. And him acknowledging all these different aspects of his personality was him saying, no, we can be whoever we want. You know, we can wake up one day and feel really spicy and be kind of, you know, yeah. or we can wake up and be totally goofy and like a total prankster. And all of these aspects of our personality coexist and we need to kind of acknowledge them and feel like, you know, it's not wrong in any way to yeah. have differences of who we are and to sure. be different people in different day, mm. days. And so um, that's kind of the whole ethos of the album creative and we've launched you know we did all this episodic content where it's a seven part series where it's Ari in all these different outfits uh, because it's all the different colors yeah. and them kind of interacting almost in like a, um, a making of the band type way. Like we call it like the one man boy band. Right. Yeah, and yeah, so yeah. that content and those types of shoots like that's stuff that I have to oversee. That's marketing and production and mm. um, all of that. Wow. Like I am across with his creative team and management and all of that. But mm -hmm. um, these are assets that are being created that Ari is very much involved in and mm. making a decision to do because mm -hmm. we don't have to do that. We sure. don't have to do like long form content or, you know, two to three minute episodic content that we launch on IGTV and put on his socials and stuff. Yeah. But this is all something that feels like it is important to the artist yeah. because it is explaining the album creative. It is explaining the album narrative mm. um, in an accessible and, you know, honest and funny way. It's helping tell his story. Exactly. And it's, and it's telling it. So it, it does all connect. So it's like, in a way it is on brand. If you will go that route because of what his album is kind of all about. 
um, it helps tell the story of the album. And so like, it, but that that is the story that there's so many different aspects of him and it's really showcasing that. Yeah. Um, so, um, okay. So you have the photos, you have the long form episodic content yeah. that you have that you can sprinkle, you, you have know, visualizers, cross, yeah, music visualizers, videos. Yeah. Music. And, and how many mu- like high budget music videos do you do? Are you doing? I mean, it really depends on, you know, where certain songs are for focus for us. Okay. I mean, I would say in this campaign, five are, are, are where we're doing a proper full you know music video shoot and you know it's it's not like a simple visualizer five of the 21 songs of the 21 yeah okay. where it's you know it's a it's a proper music video um and what is can you share some of the budget ranges when you're talking like music video versus visualizer i mean visualizers we can you know I don't want to go into the exact like number budgets, sure. but you know, we could, we, sh- for example, we shot 10 of 10 visualize or 11 visualizers in one day. Okay. And you okay. know, it's like, yeah. it's very streamlined and it's, and it's, you know, it's not like $500, but it's definitely right. not something where you're like, this is not going to recoup. Like this is the kind of yeah. thing where it's really easy to see how it would, you know, do well on YouTube. And from that, whereas a music lot. video might take a full day or two or three. Yeah. Right? I mean, we've, yeah, we've never had two day shoots yet. Okay. Um, we usually try to keep it just to one. Right. Um, but yeah, so most of those kind of music videos that are, um, you know, are more extensive and and have more of a narrative structure to them. You know, that's definitely something where it is an investment and you look at it as, you know, either the song you really want to believe in and, Mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. and it's an important song or it's, you look at it and assess it from kind of a promotional standpoint, Mm. you know? And so for me, the thing that's really exciting and great is Say, for example, we have a treatment for a music video we love and we are obsessed with it and Ari's excited about it. And, you know, I've had conversations with him and business management about, you know, what our general music video budget is for that song. But if a a music video budget comes in and say it's a couple thousand dollars Mm -hmm. or, you know, however much above budget, Mm -hmm. I don't have to go to a CMO or to anyone to say, hey, we really need this extra money. I can have a conversation with Ari and Mm -hmm. with business management to say, Either I, I think that this is worth it yeah. and because, you know, this is a song we're working at radio and I think it makes sense and we, we love the treatment and it feels like it is a promotional tool for this and one, this treatment is amazing. Yeah. And he is the one who ultimately says yes or no. Mm. Flip side, there have been also times where we've had conversations where something is above budget and we've kind of scaled back and say, hey, let's let's reassess this and let's sure. kind of come come to a place where we all feel really comfortable with that, what this number is. We're yeah. not just spending money willy-nilly. Everything mm. is very methodical and everything is very well thought through, mm-hmm. but it isn't the type of thing where, you know, I often use the example for a lot of people who aren't in the music industry who've seen like the God's Plan video for, by Drake, like yeah, in the beginning yeah. of it, you know how there's a black title card where it says like, we went to the label and we said, how much money could we right, get for it? And they were like, and they gave him like $980,000 or something insane, <laughs> which again, not much as we are working, you know, it's, it's right. but like, that's Drake, um, sure. good for him. Yeah, yeah. And so I, I kind of explained to them, I was saying like, you know, they went to the label and said, how much money can we get? And that's usually what happens. That is what happens for yep. artists on a major label. They say, "Here's this treatment we would love to shoot. How much, you know, how much can we get for this video?" It's usually not eight hundred nine or nine hundred thousand yeah. dollars, um, obviously. But you know, it is very much dictated by the label, saying, "This is how much you can spend, and right. you know, this is what you're going to do." And we have the ability to say, 
you know what, this treatment is so amazing, we want to spend more on it. Mm. Or, you know, we're going to reallocate something. Yep. Um, and that is the the really exciting thing about being an independent artist in this industry yep. is you have that freedom. Yeah. You have that ability to say, yeah. this is, you know, these are, this is my music video. This is, these are, this is my asset that I own. That yeah. Typically a label would own. So wh- sure. where do I want to put, where do I want to prioritize my mm. money? Where yeah. do I want to prioritize where I market things? Yep. Um, and ultimately the, the first question we ask is what makes for the best art? And that mm. is the the question that kind of drives all of this. Yeah. Um, and that is, you know, it's it's not looking at a P&L like a label, <laughs> label does and says, oh, no, you guys are over budget. Right. It's looking at holistically the career of an artist and saying, how does this help the message that you are trying to spread sure. with your music? And if it does that, then it's a lot easier for us to say, you know, this is this is a worthy expense. Yeah. Amazing. Now, I'm curious how you choose uh, where you put these videos, uh, whether they're like you choose YouTube, mm-hmm. Facebook, yep. Instagram, and where you're putting them and why. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously, YouTube's great just from a content ID perspective because everything. Explain content ID. So, content ID is essentially when you're on YouTube and you upload a, um, a song, even uh-huh. a snippet. So, if, even if it's not on like the Lao official channel, if sure. you were to upload a song and in the background or an audio embed, you use I'm So Tired or you uh-huh. use Modern Loneliness, content ID has the ability to recognize that that is this Lao song. Okay. And all of the monetization from ads that you would get on your video are actually distributed to us. And who runs Content ID? So Content ID is run by, it's YouTube. So YouTube, YouTube is like the one who, it's, it's essentially like their intellectual property way mm-hmm. or their way of saying, hey, we will make sure that your intellectual property is being correctly you know, assigned to you. On behalf of whom? On, on behalf, I mean, typically it's labels, Lab- you know, right. but for, but for in, you, independent artists as well. They, are they working with you directly or with AWOL? They work with AWOL directly, okay. but like, for example, what I often do is I'll make sure that, you know, we're claiming certain videos that maybe haven't got, have like slipped through the cracks of content mm. ID. Okay. Um, you know, there's certain things that you can sort of say from a promotional angle, you know, this is why it benefits an artist to have a video on a, a Mr. Suicide Cheap or, a, you know, any of these larger scale promotional channels. Um, Cause YouTube is a huge resource for yeah. us, you know, like, yes, he has to almost, you know, 3 million subscribers on his channel, mm-hmm. but there are hu- huge networks of people who are going just to listen to YouTube as music and not even watching videos. Like that's actually the primary use for YouTube, which is wow. kind of funny in a lot of ways from yeah. a, from a, from a musician standpoint of things. Uh-huh. Um, and so making sure that anytime songs are used, that we're monetizing them correctly. Mm. Um, whether that be someone uploading a lyric video on yeah. another channel, uh-huh. um, whether that be, you know, someone putting it in an audio embed of a, of their own video. Sure. Um, that's sort of really important. What about Facebook? Because, uh, the sharing capabilities on Facebook are so much easier than sharing on YouTube. Yeah, I think so. For Facebook, it's really interesting where geographically the breakdown is, right? So for us, he is insanely popular in Southeast Asia. Mm -hmm. Um, And so for his fan base, you know, that is, that is their main social network. You know, Instagram mm. is, is a thing, sure. but for the Philippines, 98% of, of residents of the Philippines have Facebook and that is their primary social network. Mm. Um, like he's playing arenas in Southeast Asia before he's, pl- I mean, his next tour he'll be, wow. yeah. but like, yeah, like he's played, you know, multiple thousand cap arenas in, in the Philippines. Yeah. Um, way before he's sort of had that uh, capacity success in the U.S. You know, this next tour, it will be there, but it, sure. it's just sort of, it is really interesting to see where the demand is. Mm. Um, 
I think, you know, it's just a kind of a question for us marketing wise. You know, I think yeah. there are plenty of artists who do upload the full thing and it yeah. doesn't matter to them. Yeah. Um, we just really like driving our fans to our YouTube page. Like there's okay. other content also that lives only not exclusively on YouTube, but that like is best served on YouTube. So okay. we had, you know, for example, when we were marketing, I'm so tired with yeah. Lauv and Troy Savan, you know, we did a, a day where we just like, we shot a bunch of content. It was a press day. And then we like captured them doing a recipe together. And mm. it was like, you know, they're adorable and great and, you know, very interesting cooks themselves. But that content wasn't, didn't have anything to do with the song. Yeah. It didn't have an audio embed of the song or anything like that. Sure. But we put that on YouTube because yeah. It was just a great fan, you know, it was a great fan piece. It sure. was it allowed fans to kind of dig in more on, you know, what what the content of their relationship is like and just their dynamic. A lot of the things that are also really popular for us are Ari does these How I Made songs where uh. he, he breaks down because he's an amazing, like, obviously he's an amazing artist. He's an amazing producer. Sure. Like, I am always constantly in awe anytime we get feedback on, you know, mixes or hearing mastering, you know, differences. Like, the subtleties of, you know, obviously he went to school for this and this is his profession, but the way that he speaks, it's like speaking another language. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure you kind of get this, but yeah. it's... It is so impressive to me to see the the nuances that he picks up on and that he is very particular about and that he wants to hear mm. in his music. Um, and, you know, that's why he's a producer. That's why he's so involved in the entire creative process. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, we do these series where it's how I made and he is usually writing. He's sitting down with the, the songwriters that he may have written it with or if he wrote the song himself, it's just him. Um, and he's kind of delving into how he made the song. Huh. And that kind of series his fans love, you know, it's, it's not him singing the song. It's yeah. him like doing a little bit of a nerdy thing, sure. talking yeah. about like, you know, pro tools and yeah, yeah. you know how yeah. he kind of came to be inspired to create a song. Huh. And so that kind of content is a little bit more longer form. You know, okay. we see that you see kind of, and I don't want to be like the algorithm, but for, for Instagram, most content that does well is yeah. under a minute, you know, sure. it's, yes. it's, it has to yes. be, it's shorter, it's snappier. It's kind of to the point. Totally. For YouTube, it's different. The, mm. Actually, the things that perform the best are, are are clips that are ten minutes or longer. Really? Yeah, it's weird. Wow. It's a very bizarre thing. Okay. But um, it, it's it's definitely most of his clips aren't that long. Like, in way if we're doing a series, around sure. it's around five minutes usually. Uh -huh. But we feel like that content should have a proper home. And of course, mm. we do the snippet on. You know, you just basically try to market the platforms for how it will perform the best. Right. And that's kind of the, how we that, that's made great. A that makes a lot of sense. You, you, um, use each platform, um, in a way that the audience is responding best on that platform. Exactly. So you, you've been looking at the analytics and you notice that on YouTube, people respond better to videos that are 10 minutes or longer on Instagram. It's 60 seconds or sure. less. Yeah. Okay. You kind of have to tailor it a little bit and it's not necessarily something where we're being that methodical saying, sure. all right, now you have to make something that's this long. <laughs> right. It's more just kind of when you think about how do the fans on X platform or how do the fans in X territory, how do they respond to certain things and mm -hmm. how can we best serve them so that the music that is the utmost of importance reaches the most amount of people, yes. you know? So that's the kind of, mm. that's the end goal. It's not so much like we very rarely are, not very rarely, I've never had a conversation where we're sitting down saying, how can we make this go viral in mm, like a, right. that, it, that's just kind of a, it feels very inauthentic and it feels 
like weren't we're too smart for that honestly yeah, yeah, like yeah, 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 yeah. lauren mckinney who i work with on the marketing side for foundations she's a genius and yeah. like we will sit and talk about marketing plans for songs and you know no one's sitting around being like what is our viral moment we're all sitting around being like how can we make sure that we are having this reach as many people as possible through consistent smart like targeted and interesting content mm. right and that's kind of the, the holistic plan and it starts with the song but it kind of branches off from there i'm assuming though it's also um thinking about understanding your fans understanding yes. your audience and so it's not not how can we reach the most amount of people uh, people are just like blank faces in the ether. You're like, really, we know our fans. Exactly. So like, how can we engage our fans and reach them and then expand that a little bit too? But, you know, you know, you now understand how your fans are going to respond to the content that you put up. Exactly. So like the instructional videos, you know, where he's at, that's not really for everyone. That's exactly. for his super fans. Totally. And that's for people that dig that to get a deeper connection with that, with that. Band. With the artist. Yes, yeah. It's yes. really about like an accessibility aspect of things uh. and also just showcasing something that is a genuine passion for Ari. And I think, yeah. you know, just in the same way, there's something that organically, like he had on tour, he would bring what was called, and it's still called my blue thoughts. And it was a box that sat on the merch table hmm. that where it allowed, it was like an anonymous note, like, people could just write notes and put it in the box and get huh. something off their chest. And it was very uh -huh. much tied to something that was true and, and is still true for Ari and his songwriting is about being vulnerable, about, be, about being honest, about getting things off your chest. And in, you know, and a lot of them are couched in songs that are very catchy and popular sure. and all of that. But the root of the lyrics and the root of the songs and the message is really about honesty and vulnerability. Mm. And so that was something that kind of started very low level on when he was doing, you know, 500 cap room tour. Yeah. And now we have these, we've kind of done an activation with Microsoft where they <laughs> have basically made these booths that are like huge confessionals that you go in, it blacks out your face. Wow. You can like, it like disguises your voice. You can enter in like your location or you can do wherever else. And then it basically, it, it listens to the words that you're saying and it finds keywords so that people from around the world can see people who are experiencing the same thing that they do. And that is something Holy that is, shit. yeah. And like really cool stuff, like Whoa, really cool, yeah. fun things that that is entirely like that is so core to the message of lap. Like that isn't right. something where it's like, Oh yeah, we just got, we're going to partner with a brand on this thing right. because it's a good look. It no. was like, how do we take something that is authentic to you as an so artist and, yes. and amplify it ah. and make it even cooler. Love that. And that these are the types of decisions that, um, you know, as an artist and being fully independent, he can make, mm -hmm. he can say yes or no to things all the time. And we mm -hmm. do, you know, there are for the opportunities that we say yes to, there's obviously way more that we say no to, because mm. if it doesn't feel true and authentic to Ari, we're not going to do it. Mm. You know, it, why, why do we have to? Yeah. Um, and so that's like, at the end of the day, everything that we're striving for and that we try to, you know, help him accomplish yeah. is things that feel true to him. How can we have it reach the most amount of people? Yeah. And, and how can we have that message feel like it is expansive and true and, you know, resonating. Mm. Um, and that's, you know, part of my job. And I work with amazing, talented people who help accomplish that as well. I'm, I'm one part in it, sure. but it is, um, it is, that is the ultimate goal. It yeah. is not how much money can we make out of this? How much, you know, can we, um, you know, 
get him in front of these people or, mm-hmm. you know, have him be the next this artist. It's right. it's everything is in in service of helping him be the artist that he wants to be. Sure. Um, and that's the thing that's exciting and cool. Yeah. Is you, you never feel like, oh, are we doing something that's going to burn him out? Right. Or are we doing something that he doesn't enjoy? The se- and I've had conversations with him where I said, the second something doesn't feel right or doesn't feel fun, uh-huh. we don't have to, you know, like yeah, yeah. there are certain things where, yes, you kind of have to grind it out and promo, I'm sure is no fun for, you know, it's, sure. it's a grind, yeah, you know, yeah. but at the end of the day, having this music that is so important to him and is so important to his fans mm-hmm. and so important to me and the people that we work with, it is worth, you know doing the kind of all of the work that we do Mm. because when you see people's reaction to it when you see one an artist fulfilling what he wants to put out in the world that is so incredibly amazing Mm. you know to not feel like you're releasing music into the world that the artist doesn't like like oh like what a joy is that you know like how many times have you heard horror stories of artists being like oh you know, they're pushing this single that I hate, you yeah. know, and they, or they're, sh- they shelved my entire project or, yep. you know, there's this, that, and the other, like those are conversations I never have to have. Right. It is truly based on what the artist wants mm. and everything is in facility of, of helping him achieve his creative vision. Yeah. Um, and that is that it takes a special team. And I think he has done an amazing team. He's done an amazing job building a team around him, you know, from Max and Steve and, and Lauren and, you know, at AWOL, our product managers are sure. around the world. Incredible. Who really fully believe in that vision. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it, it, it makes it really worth it when you see an artist as excited to release a song as Ari is, yeah, you know, and yeah. that, um, that is what you want. You mm. know, you don't want anyone to feel like, Oh, I'm so bummed. This is, you know, not the single or I'm bummed that this song got shelved. Right. So right, it's, totally. it's, a, it's, it makes my job super easy in that way. Yeah. yeah. Amazing. Emma, this has been fantastic. This is like, I'm learning so much and it's so inspiring and it's just really cool to see how you're all working together uh, to set up the infrastructure internally, bringing you on the bringing, you know, an independent distributor who doesn't own anything on all of this stuff to help facilitate the vision, his vision overall as, as the artist, but also to maintain all the control and artistic control, the, I mean, ownership, all of that, um, you know, that's really inspiring because a lot of artists, um, especially the ones that start to see a little bit of success early on, every label comes after them. We're like, Hey, sign with us here. A million bucks today, today, you know? And they're like, Oh my gosh, I've never seen a million dollars before. Like, Oh, okay. Where do I sign? You know? And it's, it's hard to turn that that kind of thing down because it's like, Whoa, Capitol records, Republic records, oh my gosh, you know? And, but really when you think about it, when, when, you know, over 98% of artists that sign to major labels actually end up failing, don't recoup the cost of their, yeah. that advance. Yeah. And they the odds dropped. are not really in your favor. No, yeah. no matter who you are. And, and, and I think it took a lot of discipline for Ari early on to, to know, you know, that didn't did not jump at the first offer that came his way yeah. and to like set this infrastructure up and to really build this more organically. Yeah. So now he's at this point where he's able to control everything, have a pure artistic vision with a team that supports that vision and everyone's working together and it's not having to, you don't have to run anything up the chain of anything. Yeah. So that's really awesome. Yeah. Um, I have one final question that I ask everybody who comes on the show. Yeah. Um, what does it mean to you to make it 
in the new music business? It's a good question. Um, I think to make it in the new music business to, to really succeed is the ability to maintain full creative control over what you are putting out in the world and not making a concession over scale. So not necessarily having to be a superstar to be a success, but to understand that, you know, the decision to be independent isn't necessarily a limitation and that believing in, you know, your music first and foremost can lead to success beyond, I think, all of our imaginations. Amazing. I love it. I mean, thank you so much for coming on the show. And once again, quick shout out to my partner, Bandzoogle. You can design any website on Bandzoogle, get 15% off and a 30-day free trial by using the code ARI. That's Bandzoogle.com. Use the promo code ARI. Aight.